We need to raise awareness about child abuse in the United States. It's a concern. Certainly, we're all aware of it, but how do we raise it with our patients? How do we deal with this issue? I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. I'm your host for Primary Care Today, and today my guest is Joe Clest. Joe Clest is the author of The Whole Truth, and he's a Chicago native. He's a highly respected lawyer. For years, he's been a person who has been a hope for victims of sexual abuse. He obtained some of the largest sex, civil sexual abuse verdicts in our country's history. But more importantly, he's counseled thousands of victims and handled over 500 sexual abuse cases against both individuals and institutions. Uh, first of all, I know you wrote the book, and I know you deal with this a lot. My first question for you is just how do you deal with this? How It's got to be emotional each and every time. It is, but, you know, I'm actually very good with the clients. I mean, I, I console them and make them feel comfortable with the process. Um, and they appreciate that. It's it's because I, I really take it at their own pace, and nothing happens that they don't want to happen. So it's really under I, I handle these cases, so it's totally under their control, and I don't take any steps without their permission. You know, we have a unique audience. It's a physician audience who listens to this program, so you have an opportunity to maybe be talking to physicians who deal with patients. Um, I practice in Pennsylvania and Delaware. I also have a license in South Carolina. So because of multiple licenses, I'm often in CME programs that are that are we're told to do um, and literally told to do because we should learn about them. And one of the issues that's come up now in Delaware and in Pennsylvania is child abuse and actually taking courses where we learn about the signs of child abuse, what we should look for. It's clearly an issue that's important if they're training physicians for it. From your perspective and, and firsthand perspective, what are the things doctors should be looking for as warning signs when patients come to their office? Are you talking about minor patients? Well, initially minor patients, yeah. Well, uh, often they don't sleep. They cry through the night. Um, some of them are somewhat sexualized uh, in the way they respond to other people. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, primarily post-traumatic stress disorder. So mm-hmm. if you know the symptoms of that, that's what you're looking for. Right. And now for a doctor in the office, you know, we, we are trained to ask specific questions, but if you don't see bruises, you don't see other things, you may not ask those questions from your perspective, from the, the hundreds of patients you've, you've dealt with in, in various aspects and following them from your, from your legal perspective. Are there things we should be looking for or asking about with with every patient, or should we just kind of, you know, when we get our spidey senses tingling, well, then, I, then I ask? Would, I, I would ask, actually ask every single patient, you know, is anybody touching you in ways that make you uncomfortable? Something soft like that. Right, right. Kind of bring it up in that way. And it's interesting. What I do, well, first of all, we always have a chaperone in the room with us, which is one of our policies. I train residents and. And not only is it legally smart, it's smart from a standpoint of your own protection as a physician, but you have someone in there. But what I will say is, now I'm going to check you and I'm going to look at you, nothing that's going to hurt or whatever. I'm just going to take a look. But I want you to know, people except maybe mom or dad who's changing you know, changing you or whatever, no one should be doing that. Has anybody done that to you? I say right in front of the parents because sure. it gives them an opportunity to answer. And then, you know, and then I will say, has anybody touched you inappropriately or, you know, and, and you don't have to let anybody do that. And then I make a big, almost grandstanding performance in front of the parents and say, you know, you should always tell your parents, no matter what anybody says, that if they did something, don't be afraid to talk to them. Always talk to them about this for the rest of your life. And I try to say that. And then I turn to the parents and say, make sure you keep drilling that message home. 
Now, that's my yeah, that's, approach. Is that yeah. effective, or is that what no, you would No, no, that, that's a brilliant approach. It's the exact perfect approach. Um, yeah. kids, kids are not very good liars, and so if they lie about it, you can tell pretty I mean, they look away, you know, all the tells that other people have. Kids are in space. And they get very uncomfortable because they don't know how to make up a lie real fast. So you would you get some responses that way. The thing that you said that I thought was most significant is that you always have someone else in the room. And that one of the problems that we have now is that, I, I don't know if you saw this part in the forward to the book, but 10% of all public school students are sexually abused by someone in the school system. Wow. And they don't have a process. Like the Catholic Church now has a very good process to protect this. They have the Veritas program where they make sure that somebody's in the room and they, you know, they know how to find the signs. And, but the public schools don't have a system. And one of the reasons they don't have a system is because they have immunity from lawsuits for negligence. So they have no incentive to change their behavior. I have a case now where a, uh, a teacher was having sex with a 13-year-old girl for two years told two teachers and actually showed a third teacher of a videotape of him having sex with this girl. And nobody reported it. He continued to have sex with her. Yeah, you're, and, you're surprised. But, I mean, I know um, not that it's far removed from when she's there. I have a daughter at Penn State, and obviously that culture is still impacted by what happened six, ten years ago, but they still talk about it. And they've tried, they've tried to turn the corner, and they've tried to uh, take that, issue with Sandusky and turn it into a positive if in fact you can but still you look at it and go like how could that have continued for so long in, in such an environment why didn't people speak up well it's because of no well nobody spoke up just because they were protecting their institution that's what institutions do uh that happened you know people talk about this like it's a Catholic church problem every other institution dealt with it exactly the same way no difference and you don't even hear about it like for for example, the you know the spotlight team that um, you know uh, exposed the Catholic Church in Boston in uh, 2002, they just announced this year that they're starting to investigate private schools, non-Catholic private schools. Well, why didn't they do that 10 years ago? Sure, you got you got 10 years of, of you know many kids who could have been saved otherwise, and nobody's investigating the public schools because you know the way this got out is. It, it, you know, going back to the Catholic Church 20 years ago or whenever, 25 years ago, if some kid or even an adult said, I was molested by father so-and-so, that wouldn't hit the press because the press, they get sued. But if a lawsuit's filed, the press can always say a lawsuit was filed alleging that. So that's why you know about it in the Catholic Church is because lawsuits were being filed. Well, if you can't sue the public schools, nobody's going to print about it unless the guy, unless somebody gets arrested and then, you know, they can could, they could say someone was arrested. But... I think really think that what needs to happen is the immunity needs to be lifted for public schools for this particular issue and also for bullying. Mm-hmm. No, I, I see what you're saying because, well, it's interesting. In part of the courses that I've taken, as all the doctors take in Pennsylvania, one of the things I saw where they said was that in schools now, at least in Pennsylvania, in, in, in schools you actually are responsible for any kind of abuse and you can be you can be uh, taken to court for that. Now, on surface, that makes a lot of sense and it's good. But the other side of the coin is, will that maybe stop people from speaking out and and, and making a comment about another teacher or whatever? 
it's kind of very state by state, but in Illinois, teachers are mandatory reporters. For example, those two teachers I told you about that knew about this guy having sex, or three teachers, uh, they were all arrested and charged with failure to report. So they have a legal obligation, you know, criminal, potential criminal prosecution. And, that, and that's what we have as physicians. We have a, you know, a legal mandate to report, which is, which is an important thing, because at least even if you, you're protected in the sense that you report, and if you're wrong, and God, you would hope you would be wrong, you at least have said and done what you're supposed to do. By the way, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and my guest today, very interesting conversation, it's just flying by, is Joe Clest. He is the author of The Whole Truth. We're talking about abuse, how the legal system handles it, how we should as physicians handle it. It's a touchy subject, but it's clearly an important one to talk about. You know, what about judges? I, You know, my experience, and I've obviously limited experience with the judicial system, but it seems like wherever you are, whatever hamlet you're in, judges, like, rule with this incredible power. And, I'm, and again, I'm a physician looking at evidence and studies, and judges say, well, this is the law, and this is this, and this is that. And I go, well, that's one person's opinion, and now you're saying that's everything. They can kind of skew a hearing the way they want it to be. They can make something the way they want it to be. They could intimidate somebody who wants to report something. Have you seen that from your role as a lawyer that judges can kind of get in the way of what's best for the individual? I could have to say it depends on the judge. Um, there's, there's kind of been, and, you know, this is really comes out of doctors, so I'm kind of touching a sore spot here. But <laughs> the, the Republican Party has been uh, uh, banging on tort law for the last 25 years, and it's mainly, you know, medical malpractice cases, but it bleeds over into other cases because they're saying, well, you know, tort lawyers are liberal, so you get in a conservative district, and a judge is going to be very difficult on you. I've, I had a judge in a, a very conservative uh, county, which is DuPage County in suburban Chicago, and he threw out a case where this guy molested his daughter a bunch of times. And it was just, and it was clear to me that he just doesn't like tort law. Well, what people don't realize is tort law is used to change society. I mean, we're, we don't want to ruin our cars, but we're also very careful about not getting in car accidents because we don't want to hurt somebody and get sued. That's, what, that's honestly why I feel so good about this type of practice. I mean, it's tort lawyers that changed the Catholic Church that brought this issue to the forefront. So it's it's a big deterrent. So there is there's obviously sometimes you uh, use the term you throw the baby out with the bathwater, but you essentially you you might look at one example and say let's stop this, but all the other good things that can happen don't happen. That's right. That's right. You know, I agree. Now you are obviously someone who is passionate about this. You wrote a book. You, you're trying to get word out. What, what's your interest? What got you so interested in this aspect of law, and in particular the whole child abuse issue? Well, it, it was kind of a, some interesting coincidences. And I, I mean, I don't believe, believe in psychic stuff, but it all came together in kind of an interesting way. Um, my uh, uh, guy I office with, he actually wrote a book about the, the attorney who defended John Wayne Gacy. We were just office mates, and he got this call from a boy who had been molested by a priest. And he said, you know, I do mainly criminal stuff. Do you want to talk to this kid? So I did. And, um, you know, I wanted started to investigate it. Back then, you had to use the periodical guide to look stuff up. So I was looking for articles on it, and I happened across a Time uh, magazine article that had just come out, you know, in a month or two. And it was about a story about a woman in Chicago by the name of Jeannie Miller, whose son was molested by a priest, and how she kind of raised the riot act about it. 
Well, I found her. I called her up, and she said, uh, I'm very interested in talking to you. And by the way, I'm starting a support group for victims, and the first meeting is this Sunday at my house. Here's my address. Come. Wow. At this meeting were some of the big players in this, uh, this whole issue. Um, there's a, a priest by the name of Father Tom Doyle. Uh, he wrote the foreword to my book. He's very famous in this area because in 1985, he was a, a uh, uh, canon lawyer to the Vatican Embassy, and he was instructed by the Vatican to go monitor a, a sex abuse, pre-sex abuse trial in Louisiana. So he started looking into this issue and saw that it was a, a huge potential problem, and he predicted everything that happened about the church getting sued over and over again. Wow. And in 1985, he wrote a paper and passed it on to all the bishops, and they pretty much ignored him. So he's become a, a plaintiff's advocate. He testifies on behalf of the victims now. And he was at that meeting, uh, and a couple other people who were heavily involved in other victims' organizations. So it all kind of fell together in a very, very interesting sort of a way. That is, that's very interesting. You know, I, I will tell you a story. My, I, we, my father was in the, in the candy business and he worked with the Catholic church and we had priests stay at our house weekend after weekend. I never had an issue. You know, we always had guests over. And I said to my dad, when this all started, you know, to shake out and my dad's passed away, but at the time, you know, there was never any issues, you know, I, what do you think? And he goes, well, first of all, most people are good. He goes, but you know, when you're raising your own kids, don't trust anybody, be around, be present, you know, be a father who's there and, odds are very strong that nothing's going to happen because you are there. And that one of the big things I often tell my patients is be present in your child's life. If you can, you know, be at the little league field, be at the basketball game, whatever it is, be at the theater, just be there because that often can be a deterrent. Does that work or is no, that? Your, your, that's, your dad had gave you brilliant advice. A very smart man and very insightful. It's not something people would have thought about, about back then. Well, you know, back then, I mean, even in the Catholic Church, to even talk about that issue openly at that time was not an issue that, you know, that that generation would have talked about. You're right. And we were more aware of it now. I want to ask you one last question. What didn't I bring up that you thought we should have talked about? I I just have to kind of reiterate that I think the most important thing is to eliminate immunity uh, from uh, public institutions. Okay, that's great. Joe Clest, I want to thank you. You are the author of a book called The Whole Truth. If you're listening to this interview and you you found it interesting, read The Whole Truth. You'll get The Whole Truth and a lot more information on this subject. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash primarycare today. You can download the podcast. You can learn more on the series. I want to thank you for listening, and I want to thank you very much, Joe, for joining us. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Doctor. It was a great show.